Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with your colleagues. If you're looking for more content, check out or follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook for some different types of content and check out robsreliability.com as well. If you're looking for a short daily audio tip, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Tip of the Day on your favorite podcast platform. As well, it's also available on Amazon Alexa as a flash briefing. So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. This week, we have Dr. Latouche. He's back to talk about how we stay healthy while we're on the road. I know a lot of you are either consultants or your people who work at head offices and who travel around to a bunch of different sites to do reliability. So this is a really important episode. I hope you like it. All right, I'm here with Dr. Liam Latouche again. Liam, how are you doing? I'm really good, Rob. How are you? Great. Are you surviving the heat wave in Ontario? Yeah, you know what? Today's the first day that it broke, so uh, I'm doing quite well now. (laughs) I think I've lost about 15 pounds, so maybe I shouldn't complain. That's a good diet. Sweating. Yeah, yeah. Just sweat it all out. Awesome. So today, uh, what I want to talk to you about today, Liam, is like I've been on the road probably 10 or 11 weeks so far this year. And a lot of my listeners, they're either reliability consultants or they're, they're reliability professionals who travel around to different facilities. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to talk to you today about how we can stay healthy while we're on the road. Right. So the first, I mean, the big things that change for me when I'm on the road um, are sleep, diet, and exercise. And and so I guess we'll get into the first one. So how do we how do we maintain a great sleeping schedule on the road? Absolutely, and awesome topic because I don't know if you found this, but it's there's obviously a, a not obviously, but a lot of individuals experience a higher degree of getting sick either when they're on the road or when they get back. And it really has a lot to do with what you just touched on, sleep, diet, and exercise. Um, I would argue that sleep would be one of the biggest ones. Um, You know, you can rebound from crummy diet and you'll survive without, you know, exercising for the week that you're on the road kind of thing. But you've probably experienced this, but when your sleep is off, everything else is off, right? You're not you're not consolidating everything you've learned. So cognitively, you may not be fully there. If, uh, you know, if you're cramped up in a car, you're cramped up in a plane or a train, you know, your, your, your body's not going to heal up as well. You may be more likely to get injured. So I'm glad you're starting with sleep because I would argue that this is definitely at the top of the list. And um, there's a couple things to consider. And just generally when we're thinking about sleep, and one of them is, are you having issues falling asleep or are you having issues staying asleep? Because that'll kind of dictate the strategy that's implemented. Yeah. But across the board, 
uh, a term that I'll share with your listeners is, or a concept is sleep hygiene. And have you heard of that before? Yeah, I saw that there was, I think you guys put out a couple of videos on sleep hygiene last month. Yeah. And so this isn't a new concept, but really what this is looking at is, is establishing somewhat of a pre-sleep routine or ritual that allows you to, uh, I would say you may not be able to control, control the, the quantity of sleep you get, but you can do a lot to, con- to control and support the quality of sleep, right? So yeah. we want to we position your body to receive the most restorative sleep possible. And that's achieved in part by kind of creating this little buffer between the day and, and, and sleep. So, you know, whether it's 5, 10 or upwards of 30 minutes where you can kind of get into this pre-sleep routine where you're trying to, you know, move away from the screen, you know, listen to some calming music or read, try to dim the lights or cut them out completely if that's at all possible, ensure that the room is dark and cool avoiding the use of stimulants into the afternoon and evening, right? So having a cup of coffee late in the afternoon may not bode well for helping you get, you know, restful sleep. Um, I know this is true for me. Cardiovascular exercise done late into the afternoon or evening, that definitely causes me to stay up at night. Yeah. So that that can be problematic. So it kind of depends on on the person from an exercise perspective. But definitely what I find is that if we can adhere to some of the tenets of, uh, of sleep hygiene, and, and your listeners can simply Google it, there's going to be a ton of, of resources, or they could shoot over to thriveworkplacewellness.com, shameless plug, but we've got, like you said, some videos up on it. Um, that would be a really, really important starting point, just familiarizing yourself with what are these strategies that you can do at home or on the road to support your body in, in actually getting restorative sleep. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of crazy about my sleep. Like at home, I have um, I have the blackout curtains. I bought a, yep. a foam topper for my mattress. Great. And I have like I use ear. I've used earplugs every since since college. So I'm <laughs> right. pretty I'm pretty crazy about that stuff. But the the one thing I find that I I get kind of when I'm on the road is is and I've read it online is apparently some portion of your brain that if you're in a new location your brain's like subconsciously still works because it doesn't know if that new location is safe yep and so that's definitely part of the stress response and i would say that's part of a greater you know culmination of things you know you're you're sleeping in a new space but you probably you know are being taxed in other ways dealing with whatever it is that you're dealing with at the sites that you're you're at you're dealing with new people you know, unfamiliar territory. So that's absolutely a part of it. Yeah. Um, and what I find is that any kind of calming agent can be really helpful when it comes to uh, kind of taking the edge off the nervous system when it's kind of locked into that state. And so this is where really, uh, like from a simple strategy, if, if any of your listeners are tea drinkers, things like chamomile tea, peppermint tea, or even lemon balm tea, can be really helpful in just starting to calm the nerves a little bit. Okay. And these are really, really gentle in their, in their approach. And something like chamomile and peppermint and even lemon balm can help with an upset stomach as well. So if, you know, you're sometimes when we fly, you know, our, our regularity can get thrown, can get thrown off. 
depending on what you're eating, you know, your, your bowel habits and, and digestive function can get thrown off. So this can also help on those fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like a chamomile peppermint or a lemon balm tea would be a really easy way to start to take the edge off the nervous system. And then there definitely are some other things that can be used. You may have heard of things like um, L-theanine, which is a component of green tea that mellows you out. There are other supplements like GABA, which is a calming agent, magnesium, passion flower. These start to get a little bit more strong with respect to their anti-anxiety or sedative effects. Yeah. And then there are substances that would be kind of full-on sedatives or hypnotics with the intention of actually making you sleep. Things like valerian or cava. And as a, ca- or as a disclaimer, I always say, you know, really don't recommend taking supplements without getting an assessment, something like Kava, which, uh, you know, you see it as a natural supplement, you think it's all good, but in some individuals, they can experience some side effects with respect to liver function. So with anything I recommend, just good, a good idea to, to connect with a naturopath and just make sure it's going to be safe and the right one for you. But as I was saying, there's, there are a handful of supplements that can be really helpful in in addressing what you were talking about, that that kind of that subconscious stress response associated with being in a new environment. And and just so we're clear, how are those differing from like medically prescribed sleeping pills? So those agents, when I use the term sedative and hypnotic, again, the purpose of an agent that would be categorized as that is to really like induce sleep this would be the kind of thing that would have the warning label do not operate heavy machinery you know after you take it and so most medical sleep agents or or pharmaceutical or over the counter the intention is to really put you into that sedated state so that you fall asleep Um, some of the supplements that i recommend or recommended the ones that i mentioned such as cava and valerian they have uh, a greater likelihood of, of having that kind of effect where a chamomile, lemon balm, peppermint, um, magnesium, GABA, theanine, some of these ones won't knock you out. They may mellow you out, but they could be used through the day, right? To help you achieve a higher state of focus. And, and... All right. So we, we lost, uh, we dropped out a little bit. So we're back. So Liam, are there any ways that we can reduce the effects of jet lag? Because a lot of the times when I'm on the road, I'm either traveling to the East Coast or the West Coast, and I need to either get up to be at site for 7 a.m. or I need to, you know, be at site later. How do we how do we do that while staying kind of on our regular sleep pattern? Yeah, for those listeners that jump um, time zones, one of the tools they can use is melatonin. A lot of people have heard of this. It's uh, something that your body naturally produces to reduce levels of alertness and and start to get you in a state where you're going to feel more tired, ready to fall asleep. Typically gets released in the evening as as it gets dark out. And then so our body kind of naturally follows the the light dark cycle of the of the day. And so melatonin is normally found in, in most in most supplement stores. Like anything, it may not be the right option for everyone, but this is something that can help kind of hack or trick your body into um, kind of falling back into its normal circadian rhythm or, or, you know, aligning with the new 
light dark cycle that you're in yeah um they come as in doses as low as three milligrams they can get higher but you know generally the lower doses is what we'd want to work with it's generally regarded as safe but like i said still something that you'd want to um speak to a naturopath about before kind of going ahead and, and starting it but melatonin in situations with of jet lag is definitely helpful or can be helpful if it's if it's right for that person now i heard one that you should walk barefoot on grass <laughs> is that is that crazy or what is that you know what? I don't know how much literature there is to support that, but there's certainly um, what I would say is if because I, I don't know too much about that <laughs> one. But what I would what I would say we're trying to focus on two things. Melatonin is one which I just spoke about. That's um, more related to again what's happening in the evening. You're getting that rise in melatonin. Yeah. If you use your any kind of backlit screen, so your your cell phone, your 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 uh, your tablet, computer, uh, TV, anything with the backlit screen that emits that blue light. I know we've chatted about this before. Mm -hmm. That suppresses your body's melatonin release. So if you're sitting and, and kind of on your phone, it's starting to get dark, you're in this new time zone, the more you're, you're having that blue light um, interact with your, with your eyes, you're going to have your melatonin levels be blocked. You're not going to be seeing a rise in that melatonin. That's not good. So getting off of the devices in the evening, wherever you are, whatever time zone you're in, or using the blue blocking glasses, these are these amber frame or amber lenses you tend to see out marketed nowadays. Um, those, the blue blocking glasses will block most of the blue uh, spectrum yeah. or just getting off of the devices will naturally allow your melatonin levels to rise. And then there's, again, the, the potential of using a supplement. Um, on the other end, in the morning, as the sun starts to rise, more than, I mean, it's, I think it's great getting out into nature and being barefoot, great, you know, connect with our, our primal state, but at least getting uh, exposed to natural sunlight will start to downregulate that melatonin and bring up cortisol levels, which we need to wake up, be alert, and not be discombobulated. Yeah. So I would I would look at it at both ends, both the melatonin side and in the morning, whether you're getting out and doing the, the grounding exercise or at least getting that sunlight on you. That's kind of what we're looking to do. Awesome. So those are some pretty good sleep tips. Would you recommend anything else like a travel mask or earplugs yeah. or like those neck pillows on the on the airplane yep and so you talked about at home having the blackout um blackout curtains or blinds and so obviously when you're traveling you lose that luxury of, of having your little set sanctuary right so yeah 100 sleep mask um earplugs and that's really where you have the most control and then i would ensure that wherever you're staying that the room is uh cool and dark so if you can't make it dark, then you put on the sleep mask and ideally you keep the temperature cool but comfortable. If it's warm, that's going to make for um, less uh, or the sleep quality will be poor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One other thing, actually, and I'll just share this before we transition out of sleep. Sure. In, in cases where I have patients dealing with really stubborn insomnia and like we're trying supplements, we're trying all of these behavior strategies and nothing is budging. Interestingly enough, when they switch the phone onto airplane mode, 
I tend to see a lot of positive outcomes. And so whether that's related to just whatever's being, you know, emitted and received from the device and some people's susceptibility to that, I can't speak too much to it. Again, it's not as robust in the literature as, as I'd like, but um, at least anecdotally, I've seen a lot of positive results. So obviously really easy to do. And if it helps, great. If it doesn't, we'll just have to keep digging. But that's another thing that I often recommend to individuals is just throw the plane on airplane mode and try to bring down the amount of um, various frequencies that are being distributed through that space. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, actually. Um, I didn't consider it, but I mean, when I'm at home, I turn my phone off and leave it in the kitchen. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. So transitioning. So that yep. was the first thing we talked about sleep. That's one thing that changes when you're on the road. The second thing that changes is diet. I know we touched on it like a fair amount in the last mm -hmm. podcast, but how do we, like, if we're going to restaurants, how do we, like, what are some good tips on how do we eat healthy on the road? Yeah. So I'll be a bit of a broken record just cause you know, these kind of core core considerations don't change. Um, the big thing that I'll always recommend is irrespective of what you're eating, just always make sure the vegetables get on the plate first and try to have half of your plate be vegetables. And when I say veggies, I'm really talking about non-starchy veggies, veggies. So not, not potatoes, yeah. um, like not a, you know, a half plate of French fries and saying, we're all good. This is really looking at dark leafy greens, you know, your, your colorful veggies, like your peppers and your um, onions and, and uh, the, the, cruciferous or brassica family which is the broccoli cauliflower uh, kale brussels sprouts all of these guys are the ones that we want to fill up the plate first yeah. then a quarter of your plate protein a quarter of your plate um, starch or uh, or grains and we're hopefully going for more nutrient dense options so sweet potato carrots um, squash uh, brown rice um, quinoa uh, these kinds of things would be a better options from the the carbo the complex carbohydrate perspective. So, if at all possible, veggies on the plate first. Now, if you find that you're in a pinch, like I did yesterday, I was out out of town early for uh, an appointment, so I stopped in to grab a bite, and I opted for a salad option. Right, so yeah. it, it was a Wendy's in this case. That's what I had access to. I got. A salad i had some chicken on it i was excited because it had a bit of bacon but i don't <laughs> eat bacon often so i wasn't going to turn it down it came with some avocado and then i opted to not use the dressing um if they had just like an olive oil option that's what i would have gone for um but the one they had was like really creamy heavy a lot of stuff in it that i just didn't need so but at least i got my non-starchy vegetables in the lettuce mix I had some protein in the form of the chicken and a bit of the bacon and I had some healthy fat by way of the avocado. So I kind of just mushed the avocado around and that became my dressing. Yeah. Um, so as long as veggies get prioritized, I kind of am more lenient with the other factors. Um, but, but that's certainly the big thing that I recommend is, is veggies first or if you're in a pinch at a fast food place, like even everywhere. McDonald's everywhere, they have salads now. So there's really no excuse to, uh, to keep the nutrients up. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of burrito bowls when I'm on the road. Right. And, and I mean, obviously, you know, when you're going out to some of your remote sites, you're not necessarily going to be getting those kinds of options. But if that's available, 
it's perfect, right? You can have all of your healthy options and it's filling and it's tasty, right? So it's, it's a great option opting for the burrito bowl or the salad versus the wrap. Yeah, and I, one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit with, with those remote sites, so a lot of them have like essentially buffet-style cafeteria. Yep. And what, like usually with those, what they'll, they'll give you some sort of brown bag contraption so you can, <laughs> you can make your lunch for the next day. Now, what would you kind of right. recommend with that? Because most people are just getting your standard sandwich or a couple sandwiches and like a cookie or, or a banana or something like that. Yep. Um, so again, if it's at all possible to have something like a salad with some boiled eggs, that'd be great, but it obviously may not be feasible in situations like that. Um, and so salads aren't the end, uh, salads, uh, uh, sandwiches aren't the end of the world. The big thing that I recommend is, um, going for one that does have more vegetables than less and losing the top slice of bread. Yeah. And so that way you're still going to get some nutrients. You're not going to get more carbohydrates than you need. Um, and ideally trying to get, again, get something that is not over the top with respect to the processed meats and stuff like that, but a little bit more loaded with vegetables would be ideal, but certainly nothing wrong with that. That could be a great option. And then as far as the, add-on i would opt for the banana over the the cookie um and if the if there's any potential to carry some snacks with you or some substances that can be or some food items that can be used to kind of beef up the meal like your nuts your seeds protein bar that kind of stuff that would be great yeah for sure and i guess one thing um when we're talking about protein bars how do we pick one that's not just like 40 grams of sugar plus, right? Yeah. So a lot of them are glorified candy bars. Um, the big thing is the recommendation is that we keep our added sugar um, intake to less than 5% of our total calories. And so that not everyone is aware of how many calories they eat and things like that. But the average Canadian is eating about 2000 calories. Yeah. Um, females, historically we'll eat slightly lower than that males historically will eat slightly higher than that but we'll say 2000 to keep it even yeah. um so i think at five percent you're looking at about 48 grams of sugar and that's about 12 teaspoons of sugar so at the end of the day if we can keep the total intake below we'll say 50 to keep it at an even number that's ideal i would argue that we could try and keep it even lower than that but bottom line is if you pick up a, a protein bar and you see that it has 30 40 grams of, of sugar that's already maxing out your daily allowance so that's not going to be good mm -hmm. right and if you're someone that has coffee with some sugar in it or you want to have a, that cookie later or something like that that's when we run into problems yeah so my bottom line is for for protein bars i really try and see the added sugar at 10 grams or less okay no, that's a great tip. Yeah, so that's what I would definitely push for. And um, and and that being said, you know, pay attention to the drinks because I mean I, I'd sacrifice a little bit more sugar with a protein bar because you're getting protein, you're going to get some fiber, whatever else that'll come along with it. Sometimes they're fortified with nutrients, this and that. But you know, someone that grabs an iced tea or a coke or something like that, you're getting thirty, forty grams of sugar straight with nothing good coming along with it 
Um, so picking your poison kind of thing. I, if you're stuck with, you know, at a, at a convenience store, they have a protein bar, but it's higher on the sugar side. I'd still opt for that over getting sugar from something like a, a carbonated beverage or, or, a, or a sweetened beverage. Yeah, even like I saw that picture you posted the other day. <laughs> about yeah. the iced tea and and that's one thing is there like people might not know is there's a lot of hidden sugar right in stuff like i i remember a few years ago when i kind of switched to my like l- the low carb diet that i'm on now and i remember looking at canned tomatoes and finding <laughs> right. that there was added sugar and i was right. shocked like i didn't even consider that you would put canned tomatoes and you would add <laughs> sugar Right. And it doesn't make sense. So to kind of keep things easy for the diet, for, uh, the diet side of things when, when you're traveling, the two key considerations, one would be vegetables first and the non-starchy vegetables, meaning everything except kind of potatoes and, and squash and carrots and that kind of stuff. All of your dark leafy greens, peppers, onions, that kind of stuff that gets prioritized. So as much as that can make its way onto the plate first and make up half of the volume of the plate, or the meal just be a salad, that would be rule number one. Let the rest kind of fall into place, but prioritize that. And the second thing would be be mindful of sugar, right? So it's easy to have some of these sugary drinks or even a protein bar or a snack, right? And just be completely kind of lose the benefit of anything that you're eating with with having too much added sugar. So Veggies on the plate first and no more than 50 grams of added sugar on a day-to-day basis would kind of be the goal. Awesome. Yeah. So let's transition to our last kind of big changes when we're traveling Mm -hmm. and that's exercise. And so like a lot of hotel gyms are pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like they'll have maybe an elliptical or a treadmill. Yep. Um, Usually what I like to do is either go for a walk or a run because I bring shoes all the time. And so that's a pretty easy one to see. What, what kind of stuff should people be shooting for when they're on the road? The easiest thing would be some form of cardio, as you've kind of alluded to, because some of the places you're staying at may not have um, cardiovascular equipment, but you can certainly get out and walk as long as the weather you know, is, is favorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the easiest strategy is, I think we may have chatted about this before, but the principle of, of hit or high intensity interval training has really taken hold. And, and for good reason, if you were to engage in an interval style strategy where you're going for a certain period, fairly intense, and then a certain period of recovery, low intensity, and then you're, you're cycling through that for a period of time. If you were to do that high-intensity interval training for 15 minutes versus a steady state, i.e. you're just holding a, you know, a, a set speed for 45 minutes, you'll, you'll burn either as much or more calories during the shorter duration, higher-intensity activity. And there's a, a principle called afterburn where you stimulate your, your cells to such a degree that you're actually burning calories we're in a heightened state of, of metabolism even after the activity stops. So from an efficiency perspective, the easiest thing that can be done is throw on the runners, get on an elliptical, a treadmill, a bike, even get in a pool or just get out and walk and go one minute high, 
high intensity, two minutes low. So that's a three minute round. And you do that five times over the course of 15 minutes. Now, the high intensity is essentially as intense as you can go, given your health, you know, history and limitations, Um, going as intense as you can for that minute. So essentially, you're going as hard as you can, knowing that you only have to last a minute. And the recovery component over that two minutes is slow enough that you're ready for the next minute at high. Yeah. And then essentially you get through your 15 minutes and you're done. Now, if you want to do more, more power to you, go for it. But that would essentially cover the majority of what you'd want to be achieving from a, a cardiovascular perspective, uh, from a, especially if you're on the road and have limited access to, you know, strength training equipment and other things like that. No, that sounds great. Now, I guess there's, so if you wanted to do some strength stuff, like yep. what kind of exercises could we do? Like, I know we could do push-ups or like body weight squats. Is there any other kind of ones that we could do like either in the hotel room themselves or just in their, in their gym? Yeah, there's, um, we, again, I forget if we've chatted about this, but there's something called the seven minute workout. And okay. so there was a, there was a study that came out of McMaster and Hamilton looking at, again, these high intensity, short duration bouts of activity and how that measured up to longer duration activities. Um, and again, just reinforcing the reality and the understanding that going really hard for really short periods of time can bring about a lot of benefit and will save us from an efficiency perspective having to spend much more time doing these activities. So the same way I was talking about doing, you know, any form of cardio, high and low, um, there there's an exercise program now that's called the seven minute workout and a lot of different adaptations have been made, but your listeners can Google it and uh, kind of see what's out there. There's a lot of great videos on YouTube that, that demonstrate it, but essentially it's just calisthenics. So it's just using body weight. It's engaging upper and lower body. It's engaging your core and you're essentially going in through an exercise at a higher intensity, a bit of a break, then another exercise, high intensity, and you're just cycling through for seven minutes and really, it can be done anywhere because it doesn't require any equipment. It may require a chair for some step-ups or for some push-ups or for some tricep dips or something like that. But other than that, it's it's really accessible. So between some form of HIIT training, strictly cardio, or HIIT training in more of a strength capacity, that would definitely be where I put my put my money. And it's one minute shorter than eight-minute abs, right? There you go. So you're saving a minute. <laughs> Your efficiency buffs will be will be a fan of that. That's right. Awesome. So that pretty much covers some sleep, diet, and exercise. Do you want to just give everyone just like a a thirty second wrap up of each one of those? Yep. So sleep wise, everyone could benefit from sleep hygiene. These are practices that help us attain more restorative sleep. Um, you can Google it. You're going to see a long list, but just pick a few things that make sense for you. And for anyone that's traveling, pack a sleep mask, earplugs, and uh, there are a handful of supplements that may be helpful. Melatonin would be the one for the people that are jumping across um, uh, time zones. From a diet perspective, vegetables on the plate first, they make up half of the plate and try to keep sugar intake below 50 grams a day. And that's, again, about 12 teaspoons. I would argue 
less is always better, but no more than 12 teaspoons of sugar. And then exercise wise, intensity will really trump duration if it's safe for you to do that. So engaging in a, in a, in the seven minute workout or cardio, that's one minute high, two minutes low, best way to go. And that will give you the best bang for your buck, keep you in check and, and help you uh, be at your best while you're traveling. Awesome. And so Liam, couple things. Um, let's give everyone your, you know, your website and yep. what you're doing. Absolutely. So, uh, Thrive Workplace Wellness on all social media platforms, but thriveworkplacewellness.com. Um, we have a daily health tip. We do videos that we put out every day. So you can catch up this month. We're focusing on willpower and building healthy habits. So really important. We've already touched on nutrition on the go, which is a lot more info pertaining to what we've just touched on. And we've also looked at resilience and stress management. So a ton of really good resources on the website. Um, and I'd encourage uh, people to follow us on Instagram and, uh, and Facebook because we, uh, we roll out those videos every day. So just Thrive Workplace Wellness across all of the different platforms. And just in a quick nutshell, what we do is we help uh, companies of all sizes improve their productivity and profitability by creating you know, customized, highly integrated um, workplace wellness solutions that just keep their employees happy keep turnover down and keep everything moving as smoothly as possible. Awesome. Great. And then for personal use, like if anyone wants to reach out to you, they're in the Toronto area um, and they want to get some more info on those supplements for sleep, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, easiest place would be uh, my website, liamlatouche.com. That's L-I-A-M-L-A-T-O-U-C-H-E.com. Or just Google me. And again, I'm on every platform and I'm, can engage people in any way, but uh, would be great to connect if, if anyone has any specific questions. I'm always available. Perfect. And so, everyone, first of all, thank you, Liam, for joining us. Thank you for having me, Rob. It's great.